Good morning, River Rock Bible Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Hey, we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. We are in our second week of a brand new series for the new year called Making Change. And we are discovering how we can make some changes in our lives so that we can use the resources that God has given us uh, to make those changes necessary and that we could perhaps influence someone else's life in the process. And last week we started this series and we said that less is more. Uh, That was our first step in the series. And some of you guys listened to that message and you went home and you did some drastic things. I got some texts on Sunday afternoon, a couple emails. I had uh, one family tell me that uh, they came home and there was a box of stuff that had been in in, uh, the mom's closet for like two years, a year and a half, two years, it was just this like wardrobe-sized box of stuff. She's like, I just got rid of it. I just threw it out. Someone else said, I had five bags of clothes. We just, we just emptied out five bags of clothes out of our garage, like Sunday, or out of their closet Sunday afternoon. Then we had another family that uh, the husband came home from work, and he's like, I just came home from work, and there's this big empty space in my closet. And my wife just went nuts and like cleaned stuff out. And I didn't realize she was going to clean all my stuff out. No. Uh, <laughs> But you guys took hold of it, you, you grabbed onto the principles, and you started clearing out, cutting back, and paying off this morning. Uh, so last week we learned stress is bad. This morning, uh, excuse me, we learned less is more. This morning we're going to learn that stress is bad. And the next week we will look at um, giving is good. And then finally we'll see that tomorrow matters. So I'd love for us to say all this together so that we can remind ourselves what are we learning. We're learning that less is more, stress is bad. Giving is good, and tomorrow matters. One more time, because I want six months from now, I want you to remember these principles that less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. So today we're going to focus on this idea that stress is bad. Specifically, we're going to be looking at financial stress. Uh, and, and here's the reality is that we've got to understand financial stress. Let's just say it. It's the big D word that we're all thinking, debt, right? We can say it. Most of us have it. A lot of us have it. And we're just going to use that word, right? It's a bad word. We don't want to use it, but we're going to use that word. We're going to talk about debt this morning. Uh, and, and if you have debt, you understand why we say stress is bad. Because I don't know about you, but I've never heard someone say, you know what? Uh, my marriage has just gotten so much better since we got into debt. Like things, we used to fight all the time, we used to argue all the time, but since we got into that high interest rate credit card debt, man, our life has been great. Uh, you know what they say, high interest equals hot love, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody has ever said that, and, and nobody says, uh, you know, uh, things are just better with debt. Nobody says that, but here's what I do here. I do hear couples coming for counseling saying, uh, we argue about money all the time. We are so far in over our heads that we don't even know how to begin digging out. Uh, We're stressed all the time. We're fighting about money all the time, and it's affecting our marriage. It's affecting everything we do because we are massively in debt. Um, We all have have been here. Uh, We've got people who've said, you know, I wish one of us could stay home with the kids, but that's not even an option for us because we're trying to just make the payments. We're so far behind. Uh, and the reality is, is that uh, this is something that's challenging for, for all of us, for most of us, because if we're honest, most of us don't really have a solid understanding 
of how money and debt work. We've been to high school, we've been to college, um, but most of us graduate college and we still don't really understand how debt works uh, against us and how it can really, really harm us. And I, I can share from my own experience, you guys are going to like run for the door, but I could tell you that I went to college, I went to seminary, I did a three-year master program, and I thought, uh, you know, I did all the counseling that they tell you to go through for student loans, you know, you have to get online, you have to go through these little steps, and you do the student loans, and I'm like, yeah, I could, I, no problem, I could pay that back, no big deal. Well, uh, and I'm, I'm so hesitant to tell you this, but when I graduated seminary after four years of college and three years of master's, I had $67,000 in student loans. And I paid on those student loans for 10 years, just making the minimum monthly payment. You know how far down I got it? I went from $67,000 all the way down to $60,000 in seven years. And it wasn't until I learned from Dave Ramsey going through Financial Peace University and started applying biblical principles to my finances that in the last two years, my wife and I have now reduced that to under $40,000. Because we learned, we started to understand how our finances, how our debt was working against us, and we got angry, and we got a plan, and we put some things together, and we started making some changes. And I could tell you that, that I'm not the only one. I, you know, I thought, hey, if they keep giving me this money, then obviously I, I'm going to be able to pay it back, right? Otherwise, who wouldn't keep giving me this stuff? And, and a lot of us, we just don't have an understanding of how it works against us. And we're, we're a little bit embarrassed to admit that, and we're a little bit ashamed to admit that. But I can tell you that, that we've got to understand these things, and uh, that's the whole reason why we're doing this. Uh, so many of us want to be able to help other people. We want to be able to serve others. We want to imagine our life differently, but we just can't do it because we are so far in debt. I want us to look at our primary verse this morning. is Proverbs 22.7. And it says this, Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Let's read that verse together. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Let me ask you, how much freedom does a slave have? Absolutely none. And here's the thing, when we borrow from Sally Mae, or now Navient, or we borrow from Visa or MasterCard, and we borrow this money... We lose our freedom. Now, let's talk just practically for a minute. Some of you guys, summertime's coming up. You're looking at, hey, kids are coming out of school. Spring break's coming up. And you're thinking, I would love to be able to go on vacation, but I can't. We can't afford to go on vacation, or I can't afford to take time off work to go on vacation. Imagine if your only problem when it came time for vacation was, do we go to the mountains or the beach? The beach or the mountains? Because when you have no debt... When you're free financially, you're able to think through those things. A lot of us have, how many have you ever said this? I would love to help this person right now, but I just can't. I would love to give more. I would love to to serve more, but I just can't because there's nothing left at the end of the month. In fact, there's too much month left at the end of the paycheck. I just can't get there. And we've all felt that feeling of being bound by debt. Uh, we want to we uh, imagine if something in your house broke. Uh, you break something in your house, the dishwasher breaks, the oven breaks, and not only do you have a crisis because you have something that's broken, the car's broken down, but now you also have a financial crisis of 
how are we going to pay for this? Imagine if something broke and you just paid cash and got it fixed. There's no crisis. You just pay for it and get it fixed and it's done. How different would your life be? Uh, I, I want us to think not just about the, the practical side of things, but there's also a spiritual side of things. Uh, earlier, we mentioned our mission trip to Mazatlan, and I know a lot of you, your very first thought is, I can't go on that because I can't afford to. I want to encourage you, uh, don't ever let money stop you from, from looking into going on one of our mission trips. We will find a way to help you get there. How many of you would love to, to support someone to go on that mission trip? but you're looking at your finances and say, there's no way. Our vision here at River Rock Bible Church is that one day we would be sending out families who would move to different parts of Georgetown, different parts of Austin, and we would plant more churches. And some of you are saying, there's no way I could move because I'm so far behind, I'm so far upside down in my house, I'm so far in debt, there's no way I could move. I couldn't even think about moving. I couldn't change jobs because I need the money that I'm making right now. We limit ourselves. And we limit what God could do through us when we have that bondage of debt. In Matthew 25, 21, Jesus says this on the spiritual side of things. Um, he's speaking about a servant who was entrusted with some talents. And the master returns and finds out that the servant had actually invested well and done well managing the talents. And he says this, you were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Share your master's joy. Now, I want to be careful that as we read this verse, um, that we don't fall into a, a prosperity preaching. What God is not saying is that, hey, if you honor me with your money, that you'll win the lottery and you'll have even more money. That's not, that's not the, the principle that we should take away from this. But what we can take away from this is that what we do with the resources that God entrusts to us matters to him. It matters to him. And when we manage them well, he says, come and enjoy my presence, come and, in, and share in the joy that I have over you because you are managing these resources well. Um, I'll let you read the rest of Matthew 25 and find out about the servant that didn't do so well managing uh, God's resources and see what happens there. But there is great joy when we begin applying biblical principles to our, uh, to our finances And this morning, I want us to not be motivated by the practical. Yeah, it would be great to help more people um, when when we can. It it would be great to to be able to go on vacation and go where we want to go. But I want us to be motivated by the spiritual. I want us to get to the heart behind why we should honor God with our finances and how we do that. And so this morning, I have for us just three prayers uh, that, that I want us to be praying in regard to our finances. And the first one is this. The first one is, God, give me self-control. Everybody say that. God, give me self-control. Say it again. God, give me self-control. That is our first prayer. And the verse that we have is uh, here in Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-eight. It says, like a city whose walls are broken through, uh, whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks what? self-control. Now think about this. Back then, a city, the wall was the only way to protect the city. So if the wall was broken down, think about Jericho, the walls come tumbling down, right? And then what do the people do? They just walk right in and they ransack the city. You're defenseless. You have no defenses. You have no way to protect yourself if you have no self-control. Everyone say, God, give me self-control. God, give me self-control. And so he's saying, look, you're vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. You're vulnerable to the lies of the enemy when you lack self-control. So we have got to 
learn to uh, gain some self-control. Now, here's the problem. Every single one of us has an inner toddler, right? And some of you, you, have the t- you know which toddler I'm talking about. You're the, you, you have that kid right now. Your kids are in that stage in the grocery store. What happens when the toddler doesn't get the candy or the toy that they want, right? What do you hear? I want it! I want it now! Give me my toy! Give me my candy! Right? And all of us have that inner toddler somewhere in us. And here's what you've got to do. You have got to lock that toddler up and, and throw away the key. You've got to lock them up. You've got to have some self-control, all right? I'm going to meddle a little bit this morning. Can every, is everybody okay with that? I'm going to meddle. All right, ladies, ladies, you walk by the clearance rack, right? And this is how you do it. You, you walk by the clearance rack, and, and you've got to lock that inner toddler up. And I don't think it's an accident that I picked a clearance rack at Target because I know how you are. You go to Target for, like, toilet paper, and you come home with a brand-new wardrobe, right? That's just how it works, and no toilet paper. But you've got to lock that inner toddler up. Ladies, what you do is you nickel and dime, nickel and dime. Well, I got this thing on clearance, and you come home, and you brag about how much you saved because you got it on clearance. Well, and then I had to have the bracelet to match, and since I got this little trinket and the bracelet, then I needed, uh, I needed an outfit that it would go with. And of course, I needed the shoes, and nickel and dime, nickel and dime, you sink the ship. Men, we're not like that. Men, we blow it up all at once. Men, we come home, we're like, I bought a boat. I bought a boat. I bought a boat in twin sea dews to match. All right? And, of course, I had to have a truck to pull it with. All right? Uh, now all we need is a lake house. <laughs> right? You guys, you just blow it up all at once. You go all out. But we have got to find that inner toddler. We've got to lock it up, and we've got to say no. Everybody say no. no. Say no. no. And everybody say no. Uh, We are going to tell ourselves no for a little while so that later on we can say yes to the things that God would have us do. Amen? So here's what Dave Ramsey says, and and this was um, very freeing for me. He says, you have to live like no one else now so that you can live and give like no one else later. All right? You have to live like no one else now so you can live and give like no one else later. And so my wife and I, we read the book, and yeah, it was good, but it wasn't until we went through the class and we had other people holding us accountable that we really started putting this stuff into practice. And I could tell you that, that we started living like no one else. Uh, and I can remember uh, uh, we came home from Christmas Eve service a couple years ago, and someone had parked a brand-new car in our driveway, a brand-new minivan. And it was beautiful. It was nice. It, it was like tricked out everything. And we drove that thing for about a year. And I was like, this is crazy. Like our old van was run down. You know, it was, it was but it got us where we needed to go. And I, I just felt like with this brand new car, I was like, we're just driving around money. Like every time I'd get in that car, I was like, this is just money that we're driving around. And so this is crazy. And people laughed at us. But we actually sold that brand new beautiful vehicle. And we bought one that was like, 10 years old, uh, and we took some of the money that we made off of, of selling that car, and we paid down our debt. And people are like, you're crazy. Yeah, we're living like no one else now. We're driving a 10-year-old vehicle um, that, that uh, kind of smells like wet dog, and we gave up the smell of the leather seats so that later on, we can drive whatever car we want, or we can invest, and we can help people go on mission trips because we're living like no one else now. You know what? Um, the biggest, the number one phrase said in our house probably on a regular basis, other than obey the first time with a happy heart. It's not in the budget. Kids, we got four kids. We got three six-year-olds and a a three-year-old. 
And they ask all the time, can we? I'm like, it's not in the budget. Not in the budget. Sorry. Dave says you can't have it, right? And so, yeah, I'm not the bad guy. Dave Ramsey's the bad guy. Uh, we're at the grocery store. Hey, can we eat? Nope, not in the budget. Can we eat? Nope, not in the budget. Can we go out to eat? Nope, not in the budget. And one time that actually worked against us because my wife was out with the kids and we'd been talking about give, save, spin jars. So they have all their stuff. And uh, the kids' friends were all going to Hat Creek. And they're like, Mom, can we go to Hat Creek? And she's like, sorry, kids, it's not in the budget. We already used, we already used our restaurant money this month. Uh, and one of them looks at her and says, I've got money in my spin jar at home. And she's like, all right, well, then you all have to decide to spend your money, and you have to buy mom's lunch. And so, so my kids, they were four at the time. They go home, they get their spin jar, and Amanda helps them pick out the right amount, and they take them. And we're like, all right, so it's in your budget, but it's not in mom's and dad's budget. Uh, so apparently my kids, hopefully they're learning from our mistakes, and they're learning how to budget better than we are. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to tell ourselves no for a little while so that later on we can say yes. Ladies, you may love to get your nails done, right? You want to get your nails done. And, and, and let me tell you, um, ladies, you realize that you only get your nails done for other ladies, right? Not for men. Do you, you realize that? Because I've never seen a man do this. Whoa, check out that babe. Did you see the nails on her? Mm, I got to give me some of those nails. Do, do, you, do you think they're real or are they fake? I, I don't know. Uh, all right, maybe that was a little too far. You get your nails done for other ladies. So maybe you like getting your nails done every week, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to say no for a little while so that later on you can get your nails done every single day. You can get the little stripes and the sparklies and the glitter stuff on there, and you can take every lady in the office, and you guys can all get your nails done together. Men, you like to play golf. You want to play golf every week at the really nice golf course. You're going to tell yourself no and maybe play once a month at the not-so-nice golf course so that later on you can play golf every single day. We're going to drive the car that kind of smells like wet dog and maybe has a few more miles on it and isn't brand new so that later on we can drive the car that we really want and that we can then, at that time, do you think there's going to be anything that we can't do when we're out of debt? I mean, think about it. Just real quick in your mind, real quick, add up, how much money per month do you send out the door to pay off debt? Now imagine if you had that money to use however you wanted. I don't know about you, but that is a life-changing figure for me to think about that and to think about what I could do differently, how I could help people differently, how I could use it to serve God differently. All right, so everybody say no. All right, we're going to tell ourselves no for a little while so that later on we can say yes. We are going to say, God, give me self-control. Say it. God, give me self-control. The second thing we're going to ask is, God, give me understanding. Say, God, give me understanding. Let's be honest. Most of us, like I mentioned earlier, we don't understand how money and debt works. Let's look at Proverbs 9.6. Proverbs 9.6 tells us this, leave inexperience behind and you will live. Pursue the way of understanding. What's the implication here? Is that if you don't have understanding, if understanding leads to living, then what does lack of understanding lead to? Death. Yes, your lack of understanding will kill you financially. Your lack of understanding will kill you financially. And that's honestly uh, where my wife and I were. We, like, we didn't even know we were headed towards death. But when we looked up and we saw that figure, it was like, this is crazy. This is killing us. Uh, and we want to gain understanding. We want to pursue 
understanding. So uh, the challenge in our culture is when it comes to finances, when it comes to money, and it comes to purchases, people, what are the questions they ask? How much down and how much a month? But they never ask what is the real cost of that. They never think about what is the real cost. So I've got a couple figures here, and, and you may say, hey, these, are, these numbers are too big. These numbers are too small. That's not my reality. But I've got a couple figures here. The national average for people who have credit card debt, are you ready for this? The national average is $16,000 in credit card debt. That doesn't include people with no debt, but those who have credit card debt, the national average is $16,000. Now, Imagine if you were to pay $250 a month on that debt, and it's at 19% interest for a credit card, at $250 a month, it would take you 40 years to pay that off. 40 years to pay that off. Do you know how much you would actually end up paying? $105,000 over 40 years. Now, this may be a stretch for some of you. Now, I want you to imagine that you, you have $16,000. Right? You have $16,000. And let's say you invest that. You invest that at 12%. Stock market's doing really well. You get 12%. Over 40 years, guess how much that comes to? If you were to invest that over the next 40 years, that's 16000 at 12% interest, you would end up with about $150 million to your name. You think you'd be able to help some people? One, excuse me. One million five hundred. Yeah, that would be even better. One million five hundred. I told you I'm not good at math. Uh, that's why I became a preacher. Uh, all right. One million five hundred. You think you'd be able to go on a few mission trips? You think you'd be able to help help some churches get started? Help your neighbor when he's in need? In the name of Jesus Christ, you think you'd be able to bless some people? Now let's take that and go even further. Now let's take that same $16,000 and imagine that you put $250,000 that you were paying on debt. Now you're going to add to that $250 that you were paying um, towards your credit card. Now you're going to add from the $16,000, you're going to add $250 a month to that $16,000, right? Over 40 years, that comes to $4 million. $4 million. Could that change somebody's life? For most of us, that just seems, but this is how debt, how, how interest can either work for you or against you. You see that? And that's something that, that we don't understand. Now, here's the reality. I am not a financial expert. Obviously, I can't even get numbers right. Not a financial expert, which is why we're offering Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University. He is a financial expert. And I want to encourage you, if you're not already signed up, one of the 35, 36 people already signed up, Sign up, get, get in that class, gain some understanding, gain some understanding. Hosea 6, uh, 4, 6 says, my people will die for lack of knowledge. People will die for, people will be destroyed for lack of knowledge, right? Uh, and if we apply that to our finances, as we saw with Proverbs, uh, we know that we need to gain understanding or it will be the death of us financially. So we want to gain understanding. Everyone say, God, give me self-control. Say, God, give me understanding. We got to understand that that as we gain understanding, we're going to do it together. We're going to be there to laugh at each other's mistakes. We're going to be there to cheer each other on as we grow. And we're going to make some progress together. And part of that progress is that we have to have a plan. Everyone say, God, give me a plan. 
God, give me a plan. Let's look at Proverbs 21.5. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to what? Profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Somebody asked me, uh, what is that word haste? Uh, and I said, well, you know, the original language haste means uh, I got sad and went shopping, right? So retail therapy. Haste leads to poverty. Plans of the diligent lead to profit. It means we can get ahead. We can have some margin within our lives. Again, this is not prosperity gospel. This isn't if I just make a plan, then God's going to all of a sudden make everything go away. It takes work. It takes hard work. It takes effort, and it takes energy. But you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. So we want to be able to plan with our finances. We want to do better. We want to get ahead instead of always being behind. Uh, Here's the reality is that you can wander into debt, but you will never wander your way out of debt. You can stumble into debt but you will never stumble your way out of debt. You can mistake your way into debt, but you will never mistake your way out of debt. You have to have a plan. Uh, one of the things that we learn in, in Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University is, number one, we build up an emergency fund of $1,000. You do whatever you have to do. You build up that emergency fund. So when there's an emergency, you don't have to put it on Visa, MasterCard. Uh, you do whatever you have to do. You sell whatever you have to do. Sell. If the kids are acting up, you sell them. Uh, and you get that $1,000 as quickly as you can, and you put that away. Next, we're going to have our debt snowball. We're going to start paying off our debt, and then we're going to start saving. We're going to have four to six months of saving, and then we get to the point where we start investing. And we're going to learn more about that through Dave, uh, Dave Ramsey. And we want to honor God with a plan. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, but the hasty leads to poverty. We want to have a plan, and we want to honor God with our plan. And there's a number of families in this church who've been through Dave Ramsey in the past and have gotten on a plan where they're honoring God with their finances. They're following him, following his plan. They're getting out of debt. I was speaking with one of the members in our community group this week, and she was sharing how two years, a year ago she went through Dave Ramsey, and she started paying off debt. She started paying stuff off. And then things at work just got to a point where she realized, you know what, I'd rather work for myself. And so she's continued to work where she is, but she's also begin, begun starting her own business, paying cash as she goes. And she said, I never would have been able to do that were it not for applying these principles from Scripture. And I am, my business is debt-free and will remain debt-free. She's able to start her business. I can tell you that someday she's going to grow that business to the point where she didn't have to work for anybody else. She'll get to work for herself. All because she started applying these principles. We have another family in our church, the Liners, who have been extremely faithful here at River Rock Bible Church. And about nine months ago, they started praying and asking God what he would have them do. And they felt at the same time like God was calling the wife, Christy, to stay home with the kids uh, and that God was calling them to open their home for foster, potentially even adoption, which if you don't know, those are not inexpensive things to do. And so they started praying about this and praying about this, and then they realized that, you know what, Christy just needs to quit her job. Um, So you go from a two-income household to a one-income household. That is a pretty significant thing, but they were following the Lord, and they did it, and they were able to do it because they had no debt. They lived like no one else. They sold their dream home, their nest, and they downsized their home to a little bit more affordable home so that they could do the thing that God was calling them to do. And Christy is now able, at least for this time, to, to stay home with the kids. Now, they don't have a big, fancy mansion, They don't have big fancy cars, 
but what they do have is peace of mind. And as I was talking with Christy this week, she said, you know, God has allowed me to get to know my family in a way that I haven't just in the few short weeks that I've started staying home um, since the beginning of January. And God has blessed them with that, and they're able to do that because they had a plan, because they were exercising self-control, because God gave them understanding of their finances, and they began following his plan for their finances. I know for some of us, this is a really uncomfortable topic to talk about. We feel embarrassed because we don't know. Uh, we feel embarrassed because perhaps you're, you're so far behind. You're so far in debt. You don't even know where to start. Maybe you feel like I'm, I'm 40-something, I'm 50-something, and, and it's just too late for me. I'm just going to leave it to my kids. Um, but let me encourage you to just start where you are. Start where you are and recognize that the borrower is slave to, a lin- to the lender. And then ask God to, to, number one, that he would give you self-control, that he would give you understanding, and that he would give you a plan. Um, I know it's tough to think about this, but I do believe that as we start working according to God's word, and we start managing not just our, our finances, but our time and other resources according to God's word, that he will bless us in that, that he will see and that he will honor our efforts, and that he will... Uh, enable us to experience his joy, that we would be able to come in and share in his master's joy, as Jesus says in Matthew 25. So this morning, if you're here and you say, man, that's me, man, I'm struggling, man, I'm having a hard time, I want to encourage you to check that box for Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. Maybe you've been through it and you just need a refresher. I'd encourage you, sign up and just go through the refresher. It won't cost you anything because you already have the materials. what is your step? What is it that, that you're going to allow God do, to do as we discover that less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and that tomorrow matters? Uh, as we close this morning, uh, we're talking about stress is bad. Uh, and that when we talk about stress financially, we're talking about debt. And I, I just want to say that every single one of us here has a debt that we will never be able to pay off. And that is our sin debt. Scripture is very clear in Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our sin is a debt that we could never pay. But our God is so good and so loving that he saw and recognized that we would never be able to pay that debt. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, John 3.16 says that he gave, giving is good, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And on the cross, Jesus died paying our debt, paying our sin debt that we could never pay. That whoever would believe in him, put their trust in him and Christ alone, their debt would be forgiven. Their sins would be wiped away. And they could enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that is you this morning, if you are here, And I I know there are some of you who are here this morning for this reason, for this message. And you're recognizing that I have a debt that I can't pay. I'm missing a relationship with God because I owe this debt. My prayer for you this morning is that you would understand that Jesus has already paid that debt for you. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how much money you give to the church, how often you attend service, or anything. It's about trusting in Jesus Christ. He has paid that debt for you. Will you allow this morning to be the morning that you get out of debt, that you say, 
Heavenly Father, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. If that's you, I'd ask that you would come find me after the service or one of our elders who will be up front to pray at the end of service. Would you just come talk to us? We would love to celebrate with you. We'd love to talk to you more about what it looks like to be rid of that sin debt. Will you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that um, even though we lack understanding that your word, in your word you tell us that if we come to you, that you give wisdom, you give understanding for those who ask. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have self-control, that we would be disciplined, not by ourselves alone, Lord, but by your Holy Spirit, that we would be convicted, that the right thing to do is to honor you with the resources that you've given us, and that you would show us and give us a plan to be able to honor you with all of our resources. Lord, we are reminded this morning of the debt that we could have never paid, the debt of our sin that has separated us from you for all eternity. Yet in your love and your compassion and your majesty and your greatness, you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay that penalty for us so that we could enter into a relationship with you and gain eternal life. We thank you for that. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.